The following audio is from Redeemer Church in Modesto, California. More information about Redeemer is available at www.redeemermodesto.com. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Jim. I'm one of the uh, pastors here. And uh, don't get too comfortable because I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to read through God's Word together. So turn to uh, first, Second Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, that's what we're going to read. And I just want to say a, uh, a welcome. If you're, if you're here for the first time, maybe you are here to see uh, one of the kids dedicated at the end of the service, um, we just want to say a warm welcome to you and glad that you get to be a part of us as we remind each other that we're loved by Jesus this morning because that's what we do as a church. So glad you are here. And like I said, we'll be doing the baby dedications right at the end, so you have to sit through all of the good stuff to get to the really good stuff. So... All right, so stand with me, and uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're in a uh, series called uh, Endure, and we're learning from uh, Paul as he speaks to uh, his young protege, Timothy, the, the man that he has been discipling to take over the church that he started in Ephesus, and he's teaching him to endure, and so we're going to talk about this this morning. Uh, all right, let's jump into chapter 3, uh, verse 1. But understand this, Timothy, that in the last days there's going to come difficult times. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, Swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with guilt, shame, sin, and led astray by various passions, always learning, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth." Just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as, all, as of that of the, those two men. In verse 10, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my conscience, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch at Iconian and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, that's not such good news. While evil people and imp imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy... Continuing what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which you are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much 
for your word, how it speaks to us so powerfully, how it sets all of our expectations correctly. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to us this morning in a very powerful way. We need you this morning, Lord. We're so dependent upon you, and we are glad to declare our dependence on you, Lord, because when we declare our need for you, you are glorified in us. So be glorified, Lord, in us as I speak. Be glorified in me, Lord, that I depend on you for you to to have the very words of my mouth. And Lord, be glorified in us as we listen, Lord, that we are dependent upon you to hear your word, to have it saturate our hearts, to have it convict us and change us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right on. Well, before I jump into the passage, I just want to say happy Mother's Day uh, to, to you moms. And uh, I know for some of you, this is a really happy day because you've got lots of kids around you and you have great memories of your moms. And that's a time to be celebrated. Scripture tells us to celebrate with those who celebrate. But then it also tells us to uh, mourn with those who mourn. And if this is not one of those fun days for you because it reminds you of heartache or tragedy or um, loss or um, whatever issue it is for you, um, we just pray this morning that it would drive you to seek the comfort of our Father because he will comfort. And he's a good God in that way. So, But do want to start with just a word of happy Mother's Day. And then also I want to um, just say greetings from Elko. Nevada was in uh, Nevada last week. Anybody ever been to Elko? It's a wonderful town and uh, got to eat at the Star Hotel there, which is uh, somewhat iconic and uh, just really enjoyed the time with the church there. And I just want to tell you a couple of stories. Um, you, you remember Nathan Hornback, who's the pastor, he came and spoke to us last year about uh, adoption and his story of adoption. And then he also told some of us the story of how he started the church. Uh, there. And I, I just want you to know, <laughs> it was amazing. Sometimes it's good to get out of our context and remember the Lord's goodness and see it in a different perspective. And so I hope as you go to different churches, maybe you're here from a different church this morning, hopefully you'll be able to celebrate with us as we see uh, God's glory from a different perspective, maybe than your own church that you go to. And then we all get to celebrate in his infinite glory together. And one of the stories that just kept on, it was almost commonplace at Elko last week as I talked to people and asked them, how did you come to know Jesus? And the story just went like this. Uh, I just drove by the church day after day, and I did not see, uh, I, I, I did not know anybody at the church, but I just felt like God was calling me to go there and to experience his love there. And I talked to three Mormons who are now covenant members of Livingstone's Elko, who they didn't know anybody at Elko, but God was just drawing them to himself. And they started attending with a little bit of fear and intimidation, but then over the period of the next couple years, uh, gave their lives to Jesus because of the depth of love there. Isn't that awesome? And then uh, another story of just that Elko is a mining town, so what they do is the miners drive uh, and meet in a parking lot, and then a bus will drive them out to the mines, because they're usually like 45 minutes to an hour away, and uh, there are gold mines out there. And the the bus uh, actually drives right in front of Livingstone's Reno, so they are in a very, I mean, Livingstone's Elko, they are in a very... uh, you know, good situation for that. And a couple of the miners that I talked to just said, as we drove past the church, 
we just felt like the love of God was drawing us there. I mean, just this story over and over again. Now, I say that to you this morning because I want you to know with confidence that God is calling people to himself, that God is drawing people to himself, and that as we share the love of God in our city with people, as we build purposeful relationships with the intent of speaking the love of God into their lives. God is faithful to draw people to himself, and I hope that you don't doubt that. That was such a a good injection for me last week of seeing his faithfulness and his glory. And uh, sure enough, if you're here this morning because you sense that we speak about the love of God and you don't know anybody yet, I would just encourage you to keep coming because this is a great place for you to investigate Jesus and all of his goodness and his love, and I hope that you sense that this morning. So, okay, let's jump into Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. Let's start by asking this question. What story are you listening to this morning? What story are you listening to this morning? Are you listening to the story of evolution? You know how the story of evolution is sort of, uh, you know, the world gets better all the time. That's sort of like the, the un you know, mention thing that we, we talk about in evolution, that life is always getting better. And it started and was kind of dumb, but then over the period of time, even though we can't even, our, our rooms don't even clean, themse- clean themselves somehow, uh, creation has morphed and has become more and more uh, smarter and sharper, and it's just getting better and better and better. Right? Have you noticed that, that that's the, that's the talk in evolution? Is that the story that you were listening to this morning, that everything is improving? Or maybe the story you are listening to is the American dream, which says you can do anything you want to do. Is that, is that the story you were listening to this morning? Is that the one that influences you? Um, how about the story of entitlement? This is who I am, and therefore I deserve this. this is, these are the things that I have been through, or this is what uh, we have been through as a people, and therefore we deserve this. And so you're listening to a story of entitlement. Um, I deserve. How about, are you listening to the story of fantasy? You know, you watch chick flicks or um, some sort of romance or some sort of uh, James Bond thing where you're like, that's going to be me. And so you live this story of fantasy it will happen to me like it does in the movies. That's, that's what you think. Or maybe when you drive by the lottery uh, signs in town, you just start to listen to the story of, I'm going to win that, and this is what's going to happen, and these are the things that I am going to um, base my, my future on. Listen, the stories that you listen to will impact your ability to endure. The stories that you believe will impact your ability to be able to endure. In fact, Ecclesiastes 13.12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, we know this to be true, but we also know that if we put our hope in something that will never come true, that our hearts will always be sick. So if you believe in a story or you base your heart on a story that bears no fruit, has no hope, then your heart is always going to be sick. My my hope uh, when I was growing up was that one day I'd be Bono. It's 
it's not working out for me. I thank you. Uh, I don't have the pipes. I don't have the vision. Uh, I don't have the guts. Um, I don't have the gifting that I would need in order to be somebody like that. But if that was my hope, my heart is going to be sick forever because it just isn't going to happen with who I am. So is is there a better way? And this morning, we're going to look at Paul as he's talking to this young pastor, Timothy, and he's encouraging him to endure. And Timothy, as a young pastor, was probably watching Paul and his ministry and thinking, this is absolutely awesome what you did, Paul. I mean, you saw Jesus in the flesh. You preached the word unabashedly, and people came to know Jesus You walked into towns and you created riots. And then you got stoned, like not, but the throwing rocks stoned. And then you got up and you returned to that city after being thrown out. And the entire town was saved. You you started churches. You went on four missionary journeys and all of them were successful. You wrote books. And people were healed. You've raised up elders in this church. You raised up preachers and deacons. You were shipwrecked. You were bitten by vipers and then saved. You were arrested in the temple. You got to share Jesus with Caesar. You wrote the book of Romans. Mic drop right there, right? I mean, Timothy must have been looking at this pastor Paul and just thinking, this is absolutely amazing. And if if Timothy is anything like the rest of us, and I'm sure he is, then he must have looked at Paul's ministry and thought, mine is going to be just like that. I'm going to pull off a Paul. I'm going to do this. God's going to do this through me. And if that is the story he is telling himself, that one day I'll do all these things that Paul is going to do or was doing or had done, He's going to be majorly disappointed because then reality is going to set in. And the work that God did through Paul was so different than the work that God was going to do through Timothy. And the church that Timothy was pastoring was so different than the churches that Paul had started. And the ministry that God wanted Timothy to do was so different than the ministry that God wanted Paul to do. And if Timothy had clung to a false story in his head or to false hopes... His heart would have remained sick. In fact, here's a thought for you that bad expectations or really false hopes are only premeditated disappointments. How many of us have listened to the wrong story, had false hopes, and have now found ourselves just sad that the things that we've dreamed about have not worked out? And I definitely think that this one is for me. So what does Paul do? Well, Paul encourages Timothy to endure by having correct expectations that are built on God's word. He encourages him to endure by building correct expectations that are built on God's word and not on false hopes. And here's two thoughts for you this morning. The first is this, the correct expectation of godlessness, godlessness in the last days. 
The first thing that Paul does when he's talking to Timothy about his ministries, he says, this is what you can expect in the last days. Now, what is the last days? The last days is a reference between the time that Jesus ascended and went back to heaven until we die or Jesus comes back and all of the final thoughts are brought to culmination. And there's this time period in here where redemption has been made. Jesus has died. He has given forgiveness. And there's time now that we get to respond to the love of God before judgment occurs. And these are called the last days. But what Paul says to Timothy is this. During these last days, this time period, things are going to get increasingly out of control as people decide to follow their own philosophies and ideologies instead of following Scripture. Instead of being lovers of Jesus, people are going to be, and go back with me to verse 2, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. And he says, this is what you can expect in the last days, Timothy, that people will be lovers of themselves instead of lovers of the truth. And I love what he says here, having a form of godliness but denying its power. In other words, religious. They will be religious. They will know the word of God. They will know the law. They will know what to do. But they will deny the reality of forgiveness. They will deny the reality of grace. They will deny the reality of love. Or that love, grace, and forgiveness have any power to change our hearts. And instead of thinking that love or grace or forgiveness can change hearts, what they will do is they will turn to behavior modification and think that if I can just behave rightly, then it will be okay. And the reality is, as we know, that behavior modification only works for a certain period of time before we are absolutely empty again and it morphs into something else. Well, that didn't work. I'll follow this. I'll go here. I'll do that. Instead of realizing that when you are completely loved by God, that's when true life change begins to happen. When you completely believe in the love of God and that guilt and shame is gone, then life change begins to happen He says they're always learning but never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. If you remember back in John 5, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he says, You seek the scriptures for in them you think that they will have eternal life. But it is they that testify about me. And what they're doing is they're saying, hey, I would like to understand the law of God so I can behave better. But laws only lead to more laws. Unless you understand that what the law is really doing is pointing at the need for a Savior, namely Jesus Christ, because you cannot obey the law enough. And so you need who Jesus is in order to be reconciled and made right with God. And when you understand that law, then you understand that it leads to even more freedom because you know the depth of the love 
of who he is. And then he goes on to say that those people, they will, sh- they will know how to manipulate through guilt and shame, exploiting those who are burdened by hurt and pain. So you have people sitting around who feel, already feel guilty and who already feel shameful and who already feel hurt. And it says in the last days, there are going to be people who understand the shame and the guilt and hurt of society and then will use that as a manipulative tool to try and coerce them to doing what they want to be done. And I think of TV evangelists in this who make false promises. I think of the idea that we would somehow be able to buy our salvation. And that hurt and that guilt is so strong that we would just reach for anything to try and make us right with God, and yet it would be the deceiver who would give us a false premonition of how to get there. And the example that that Paul uses here is Janus and Jambres. It's actually um, from Exodus 7. Do you remember the story where Moses goes before Pharaoh to say, let my people go, and he lays down his staff in front of Pharaoh, and it turns into a snake, and then there's two magicians there who lay down their staffs, and they work for Pharaoh, and the, their names are Janus and Jambres, and they put their, sna- their, put their staff down, and it also turns into a snake, but the scripture in Exodus 7 tells us that Moses' snake ate up the other snake. In other words, it was dominance. But the idea here is that Janus and Jambres are capable of doing some of the same things. The preachers from the pulpit look the same, but their intents, their intent and their heart is very different. And we need to be wise enough to talk about the difference between the two. And in fact, he says that you will actually be able to see the difference between the two. They, their, their methodology and what they reap will be found out. He says it's going to be obvious quickly when people are using you for, your own, for their own gain. And Paul is telling them, you need to recognize these things. Now, if you are expecting things to get better and better, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you expect... Anything other than the unwinding of society as people choose not to believe in the love of God, you're going to be broken yourself. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, this is not going to get better. People, as they walk away from Jesus, as they become more callous, as they say, you don't exist, God, as they say, I don't believe in the forgiveness and the love, I don't believe in the grace I don't believe in the truth about God that life is going to continue to unwind because we're going to have to use each other in order to feel better about life. And that never works well. It always causes more brokenness. So the first thing he says is the correct expectation, Timothy, is godlessness in the last days. But then he says the second thing, the correct expectation is known By formulating an understanding from Scripture. The correct expectation that is formulated by knowing the Scriptures. And this is verses 10 through 17. He says, remember what I taught and what I did. So, Timothy, look at my life. And you can see, I did plant churches. And I did 
I was able to write through the power of the Holy Spirit. I was able to do these things. But remember, I was also persecuted. Don't let reality escape you, Timothy. Look at these marks on me. Look at the fact that I'm in jail now. Look at the fact that I am going to be martyred for the kingdom. Look at the truth and remember what is going to happen in the last days. And then he says, continue in what you have learned and what you firmly believe. And one of the things that Timothy saw very clearly in Paul was the fact that even though he went through severe hardships time and time again, he always saw that the Lord rescued him. He always saw that God was with him. In other words, you are loved, Paul. And because of that, I'm going to live as loved. You need to be, he was, Paul was a disciple of Jesus. I need to be a disciple of Jesus. Paul understood the works of justification, the fact that he was made right with God through faith. I need to live in that. And then Paul says to him, you need to use Scripture as a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is? If you hold a, a, a line up straight and just drop it, it will give you a straight line every time. And Paul is basically saying to Timothy, hey, measure everything that you do against Scripture, not against society. Measure everything you do against Scripture, not against your own emotional life. Measure everything that you do against Scripture, because all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And it leads to sanctification. And I go back to the example of the Bereans in Acts 17, when they began to hear Paul's teaching, and they began to hear him talk, and the, the first thing they did was go back to the Scriptures and say, Paul, we hear your words, but we want to go back and say, is what you're saying correct according to Scripture? In other words, it was the plumb line of Scripture. And Paul says to Timothy, endure by having a correct expectation that is built upon God's word. In other words, this is what's going to happen. And, he, he, and then I just imagine him having small talk conversations, and maybe it was something like this. Do you have correct expectations about the church, Timothy? Do you have correct expectations about the church? What are your expectations built upon? And as we read in First and Second Corinthians, we realize the church is messed up. It's broken. It's full of broken people. And it wasn't this perfect place where everybody came and got along. It was a place of confrontation, of encouragement, of exhortation. And so was Timothy's aligning of the church that he was pastoring, was it in la-la land? I think it should be perfect. I think it should be like this. Or was it, no, the church is like this. It's jacked up. It's screwed up. It's messed up because it's full of people who are in the process of being sanctified. I think maybe Timothy said to Paul, or Paul said to Timothy, you think that being a pastor should be like this. Based upon what, Timothy? Have you read the account of my life? Have you read how many times I was persecuted? Have you read how many times people abandoned me? Have you read how many times things didn't work out the way that I wanted it to? And all of a sudden, what 
Timothy is learning is to take his expectations of what being a pastor would be like and saying, no, let me, let me take it to God's word and put the plumb line and realize that in God's word it says these things are going to happen. Oh, my expectations have been wrong. He said maybe you're, you think that your life should be a certain way or your career should be a certain way. And Timothy looks at him, or Paul looks at him and says, Timothy, why do you think like that? Were you listening to Joel Olstein? Were you looking for your best life now? Or were you actually considering Scripture? You know, I, I remember when I was younger, um, I grew up in a great church, but for some reason I had you know, some leanings towards prosperity gospel. In other words, um, Prosperity gospel is sort of like if you live in obedience to God, then your life is just going to get better and better and better. And so I always thought because I obey God, I, I deserved, I was entitled for him to treat me a certain way. And, and you know, one of those things was like I, I thought that everything was always going to get better in life. And here I am at 44 and, and I'm having to go like this to be able to read. And my knees creak like crazy when I'm going downstairs and you know what I'm saying like it just has not come about the way that I thought life would come about and there's been massive amounts of disappointment in my life and as I begin to track that through the help of a counselor and start to talk about my disappointments out loud I begin to realize man I had bought into this sort of prosperity gospel that if I just lived in obedience, things would get better and better and better. And it was my definition of better, not God's definition of better. And that has been causing an amazing amount of brokenness in my life. And yet if I would just take that and bring it back under the expectation of God's word and say, God, what did you say life was going to be like in the final days? In the last days, God, what did you say ministry was going to be like? God, what did you say obedience would, what would, what was the end result here on earth of obedience? What is this going to be like? When I bring myself under the expectations of God's word, all of a sudden I have a definitive plan now for enduring because I can say, oh, I understand what you were trying to tell me, Lord. I understand that this was not just going to get better. I understand that X, Y, and Z were going to be difficult equations. I understand these things now. And because I have appropriate expectations, godlessness in the last days, and putting myself under God's word, all of a sudden I am learning how to endure. If your story is evolution, everything is improving. If your story is the American dream, you can do anything you want to. If your story is entitlement, you deserve. If your story is fantasy and it will happen to me like it happens in the movies, then you will not endure. You will be broken. But if your story is aligned to God's word, if it is the plumb line of your life, then you like Timothy, as a pastor, will endure. You've got to endure by having correct expectations that are built on God's word. 
Let me give you a couple of examples of this and just flesh this out a little bit in the few minutes we have left in this part of our service. If you're a community group leader, what did you expect from your community group? Because it says in the last days, people will be lovers of money. In other words, work is going to be a priority over anything that you're doing in community. So when people don't show to your community group and you're totally butthurt about it and you're like, oh, it's me. We didn't provide enough nice snacks. We didn't, I didn't call enough. I'm just a loser. You're not community group leader. You are providing an amazing testimony of God's goodness. But listen, if you're discouraged, it's because your expectations are wrong. Because you think that people in the last days will respond differently than what Scripture says. You thought, oh, I opened my house. People will just flood in and come to know Jesus. It's gonna, this is going to be like a testimony of God's goodness. And it will be, but it's not going to look exactly like what you think it should. Listen, are you, as a community group leader, aligning your expectations to God's word? Because if you're not, you're going to be discouraged. How about church people? What do you expect from the church? I mean, I walk around town and all these people tell me that they're not going to church because there's so many hypocrites in the church. Yeah, I'm one of them. I, I wish I could do everything that I say I'm going to do. I wish I could believe in the way that I want to believe. But when I see, when I hear people say, church people are hypocrites, I would just say back to them, you haven't read your Bible, have you? Because your Bible says the church people are going to be hypocrites. In fact, if you look at the entire Old Testament, the people that God chose as his people are total hypocrites. In fact, God compares them to a prostitute that they leave him so much. It's crazy. So what did you expect out of church people? And if you're coming here this morning and you're like, I'm going to give this one last-ditch effort to hang out with church people, be prepared to get screwed over. <laughs> because we will. We will disappoint you just like you will disappoint us. But listen, if your expectation is in the last days, that's what people are going to be like. And even though we are under the love of God, and we are being sanctified by him, that we're not going to get this right all the time, but we are going to be broken, we are going to fall apart, that's a much better expectation for you. And in fact, that's a biblical one. And you're not going to be disappointed at that point. In fact, you're going to be able to stand in church and say, that guy just did me dirty. <laughs> totally expected that. That guy didn't call me back. That guy stood me up for coffee. That guy didn't care for me the way he wanted to. Sure, because he's a lover of money. He's arrogant. He's a lover of self. He's just like it says in the last days. And I wish I could say it would be different. I wish I could say the church lives in fantasy land where all your dreams and your promises, everything are going to come true. And yet, let's live with this being our plumb line of what to expect. If you read through 1st and 2nd Corinthians, you will realize that our churches are so sterile. And really what they are is they're dishonest about what's really going on underneath the surface. And when Paul says he loves the church, he's talking about a 1st and 2nd Corinthian church where there's so much sexual immorality, where they get together for communion and it's anything but communion. 
That should be the expectation of church, a form of godliness, but denying its power. I, it is no surprise to me when the people are leaving the church in droves because they're disappointed because we've set them up for bad expectations instead of being very honest about who we are and how broken we are and how much we are just pointing back to the Jesus, the God who saves and redeems and restores us. And are we trying? Yes. Do we get it right every time? Not even close. But go easy on us because we want to go easy on one another and pointing each other back to Jesus. How about raising children? The Bible is very clear about children being rebellious. You think it's only you? You think it's only your kids that are rebellious? Do you know how many times the scriptures talk about disciplining your children? And I, I can, if scripture talks about disciplining all the time, you do realize that's in reference to the fact that they have rebellious children in the Bible, right? Why else would you need to talk about discipline all the time? Why else would Proverbs make this one of its main categories of wisdom is disciplining children? Why do you think in Hebrews the author spends much time talking about how the Lord disciplines those he loves like we discipline our children because we're rebellious? And listen, parents, if in the last days you think your kids are going to be the cat's meow and not be rebellious you are going to live in amazing amounts of disappointment. Amen? Amen? But if you realize that your job as a parent is to shape your children, to discipline your children, not to first be friends with your children, but to love them firmly, all of a sudden that is a plumb line that comes in Alignment with God's word. Do you see that? And all of a sudden you're able to say, oh, that's the correct expectation. Instead of coming here on Sunday morning or whenever you come here and comparing your kids to everybody else's kids and saying, dang, I got it right and I'm prideful or I got it wrong and I'm hurt and I'm broken. No, you line to God's word, not everything that else is going on outside. How about schools and universities? Um, one of uh, our kids in the youth group here goes to um, MJC, and he told me a story a couple weeks ago where one of the, the professors after class um, took him aside, took him into his office, and, and started talking to him about, hey, don't believe in that garbage that your parents believe in about Jesus and Christianity. You need to make up your mind on your own. You need to... And was pretty hostile towards this student's faith. And as I was chatting with him, I just said to him, Awesome. Awesome. Didn't you expect that in the last days? And I'm glad that he got to experience that here at MJC so that I can encourage him and his parents can encourage him right here rather than him going off to college somewhere else, and then getting pummeled and beaten, thinking this shouldn't happen. Of course it's going to happen. Your kids are going to be told all sorts of garbage at school. That's what the Bible says. 
right? Their friends are going to try and lead them astray. That's what the Bible says. But that's why it's so important for us as parents to take the plumb line of God's word and say, here it is, student. Here's what God is doing. How about your neighborhood? What did you expect? 2 Timothy 3.2, people will be lovers of self. People will be lovers of pleasure. How about TV, media, and social media, and music? What did you expect? How about when you share Jesus with people? Or maybe you're just completely afraid to share the love of God with people because you're afraid that they're just going to be indifferent to it. You know, God's word says two things about this. One, it says you're going to be persecuted when you share. That's going to be a normal response. But it also says that people are going to come to know him like crazy. That people are already being drawn. Even before the beginning of creation, people were being drawn to his, the depth of his love. And so in as much as you can expect to be persecuted, you can expect that there are many, many, the harvest is plentiful, who are going to come to know him as a result of your sharing. See, that's the plumb line of God's word rather than the plumb line of worldliness or just scare tactics. You've got to endure by having correct expectations that are built on God's word. So I just asked you this morning, what false hopes have you been hoping would work out? What false hopes have you been working, have you been hoping would work out? And what hopes, what expectations do you need to bring in submission to God's word? And this morning I would just ask you to spend some time thinking about this, just repenting to bring your own expectations under the authority of God's word so that you can endure as a parent, as a business owner, as an employee, as a teacher, as a nurse, as a public defender, as a public servant. What are your expectations? And if you bring them underneath the authority of God's word, you will be able to endure. Christian, if your life is one of continual disappointment, I would just ask you, are you, are you sure you're aligning your hopes with God's word? Ouch, that so stings in my heart. Because I know this is, this is one of the major reasons that of, for me going into counseling right now and being able to talk is that I'm disappointed in so many areas of my life. And yet it's not life that is disappointing. It was the expectations that were unbiblical. And I wonder if that's you. And if you're not a Christian yet this morning, I would just ask you to consider. Think, fast forward your life and say, if I put my hope in this, how is that going to work out? And read other people's stories. Read biographies. Read stories that people who put their hope in those things and see what has happened to them. And then I beg you, put your life in alignment with the scriptures because there is a God who loves you. 
who died for you, who begs you to come back to himself. In fact, he's drawing you to himself and he desires relationship with you and he desires to say to you, this is what you can expect and this is what life is going to look like. And in that you will not be disappointed, but you'll be filled with his promises and with the depth of his love for you. Imagine how Timothy's life would have changed as he began to go, "Ah, Paul, I take the rebuke. I take the admonition here. And Timothy becomes a faithful pastor because he changes his expectations from false hopes to hopes that are in alignment with God's word. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you for your word this morning. Let's just take a couple minutes right now just to ask the Lord, do we have false hopes? And to ask the Lord to align our hopes with God's word. And now we're going to spend a few minutes responding to the Lord in communion together. And, and let me tell you, uh, this, is, this is a beautiful part of our service because what we're doing is aligning our whole week with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And here's the hope of this. When we align, we can say we are accepted by God because of what Jesus has done. That's aligning myself to the scriptures. We can align ourselves by saying there's no more guilt and shame, but I'm absolutely forgiven because of what Jesus has done. All those issues that you're afraid to confront, all those issues that you think, I will, those are going to stay buried in the closet until, because you're loved by God, you're brave enough to start dealing with those. All because of what we're doing here, remembering the depth of his love for us, that you will be disciplined, but through that discipline, you will be sanctified, that God breaks us and rebuilds us at the same time, that trials are for our good. That's aligning yourself to God's word, that people will come to know him when you share your faith, that as we give to him financially, that he is faithful because he said he would be, that as we pray and we cry out to him, that he is faithful. And all this is guaranteed. If he laid down his life for us, what else will he hold back from us? See, this is us as believers aligning ourselves to the great faithfulness of who he is as our God. Thank you for listening to audio from Redeemer Church located in Modesto, California. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Redeemer, 
please visit us online at www.redeemermodesto.com.